What's up, NBA fans? We are in the, the conference finals. The Suns have been knocked out by the Dallas in, in a very non-exciting game seven. Dallas comes out firing and putting the Suns down by the end of the by midway through the second quarter. Uh, the Celtics rally and take down the Milwaukee Bucks to advance to the Eastern Conference to confront the already waiting Miami Heat. Uh, and Dallas will meet up with the with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, we'll break down those series here and more. But before we do that, there was also the draft lottery that occurred this week. And all rookie NBA first teams were announced as well. But jumping into the draft lottery here first. I got to say, man, I was watching that broadcast on live TV and it, it felt like a lie. I, they had they had all the top <laughs> picks there. I don't I don't know if I noticed that last year or I just don't remember correctly, but I feel like that this is a first timer and it just it just it felt like a lot just just to <laughs> announce the first the, the couple picks. I mean, there were some surprises in there and we'll talk about those, but I don't know, Sean, what did you feel? I felt like it was too much and I was just like, "Okay, we could have easily just done this." Oh, in halftime, you know, during the Dallas <laughs> Warrior game. Yeah, Alan, I, I'd have to agree. It, it is a bit much. I, I think that the draft lottery is obviously a very exciting thing for NBA fans and people are really excited to see what the order ends up being. But there's just so much in between time, so many interviews that don't need to happen. <laughs> I mean, you got to comment just way too much on everyone that's representing all the teams. And it's just it's a little too much for me that all the all the fanfare about it. But, yeah, I think either halftime or just like a quick 10 minutes before the game type of thing. It doesn't need its own dedicated (laughs) half hour time slot. I mean, unless you're going to like give us something else to be entertained by, like no one cares about these interviews or like going over the odds, just like do something entertaining for at least like, you know, half of it and then give us the picks, you know, like (laughs) that's, that's all anyone's there to see. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't, don't keep me hanging for, for that long. And I doubt the ratings for that half hour are any good anyways. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I'm not a big fan of it. No. <laughs> yeah, I kind of hate the whole. They announce they build they build up, then they announce the picks, and then it's like they take a pause right before they go into the top four, mm-hmm. and we get like ten minutes worth of commercials. Maybe it's not ten. Maybe it's more like six. But still, <laughs> it feels like ten. Yeah. Yeah. Get all these commercials, and then we come back to the t- to the top four, which felt like a lot but anyways you it's know it's just very like yeah i don't know maybe if you're an orlando magic fan it's worth the wait <laughs> but like for me who has no stake in any of these teams i'm like just get it over with like there's <laughs> not i'm not on a cliffhanger right now like it's such an underwhelming feeling like once they announce it all you're like oh, okay cool <laughs> yeah i mean at the end of the day what we got here is we got the orlando magic at number one okc at number two houston at three and kings at four some slight surprises for sure you get the kings moving up uh okc jumping from fourth best odds to number two but you know no real like oh my gosh shocking moments Mm -hmm. happen in this draft lottery i mean every now and then they do but the odds are just not stacked in that favor so we did get like a i guess a pretty predictable top four but i mean to start things off we got to talk about the magic though because i guess it will be a a slight could be a slight game changer for this franchise that's sort of struggling right now and it's just got a bunch of bodies on their roster but no real guy that looks like they can come come become a star at some point and 
A quick tidbit here is uh, Orlando Magic Chief Communications Officer Joel Glass actually brought the ping pong balls that ended up becoming Shaquille O'Neal, Penny Hardway, and Dwight Howard to this uh, draft lottery. And, uh, you know, it materialized for him a little bit with them getting the number one pick. Yeah, and you know what? I'm okay with that. I don't need to hear about it during the show. (laughs) If I hear about that afterwards, that's a great little tidbit, you Mm -hmm. know? But I don't even know about it in the moment. Right. Um, But, yeah, for the Magic, I mean, good for them. For the NBA, totally unfortunate. Mm -hmm. I I think that Orlando is currently probably, like, the last place you'd want a next NBA superstar (laughs) to go because that team is just a hot mess of a bunch of nothing players. Right. I hate to say it. That's just how it is. And, you know, we saw Jalen Suggs. You know, he is a heavily hyped-up guy, and he just vanished into the abyss of Orlando. And I fear that this, whoever they pick number one is going to befall the same fate, Mm -hmm. if you will. (laughs) Yeah. And here's the funny thing too is, well, I guess not all these guys, but Shaq, Penny and Dwight, these guys didn't end up having their best. Well, I guess Penny did, but these guys ended up leaving Orlando or at some point. Dwight Howard did have his best years with Orlando. I'll give him that. Yeah, that's why I kind of took that back. Dwight Howard had (laughs) a near MVP year, his defensive player of the year, years in Orlando. Shaq ended up doing bigger things. Well, Penny kind of, his career kind of dwindled because of injuries. But I guess all these guys had the ambition to leave Orlando at some point. Um, So... That's that's the whole concept of the draft lottery that kind of bothers me. But, you know, it's besides the point is that it just rewards franchises that just have a history of not being good, whether it's because of ownership or just lack of consistent ownership or bad basketball decisions. I don't know, but it continues to reward these these bad environments. And I guess outside uh, when I look at the top four outside of OKC or like just across the board, there's, you know, we're seeing the Kings there again. The Magic are here again. Pistons, um, Pacers, I guess, to a degree. Yeah, that's that's what kind of bothers me a little bit, but that's, that's another, I guess. That's, so like, what you, would you do to change it? I don't know. <laughs> I kind of like the whole, the whole like uh, just free market system that, that soccer's got going on, but. Oh, so you this, just go, they, all the players just go straight to free agency? Yeah, and just like wow. who can bid the highest type of deal. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah, but then again, you'd always probably end up with the exact same teams always dominating the league, which I guess we don't have that to a degree. Um, I feel like the media would actually enjoy that because of how much the Lakers still get media coverage despite mm-hmm. not having anything. to. They're not doing anything right now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think in that case, we would love to see the Lakers just be the best team every year. <laughs> But yeah, that's just not good for the sport, in my opinion. So I don't, I don't really know what other thing you can do. I, I think it's fine. I'm fine with it personally. But I can see, I can see where you might want it to change a little bit. Yeah, I just hate the idea of continuing to reward these bad owners. We oh, just, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> these already rich guys who just kind of want to hold their money in a place and aren't really trying to make their teams any better. Um, yeah. But anyway, okay. they only have to stay there four years at most. Yeah, you know they can leave after once they get to their prime. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited that OKC finally gets you know a, a top pick. You know they've been trying to tank as hard as they possibly can for the last two years, um, so they finally actually got it to pay off. Um, but you know there's not really like a surefire set order. You know mm-hmm. like there's no. 
there, there's no uh, Zion Williamson, if you will, of this draft where it's clear that a guy's going to go number one. So, you know, any any number of these uh, guys in the top five could end up actually netting the best player. Yeah, I agree. I think there may be a, there actually may be a little thinking of like, who is the, the better fit? Maybe mm -hmm. it's tough to say who is the actual absolute best player. But let me ask you this, I guess a better way to break yeah. down this this chat around the draft water. Who is the biggest winner you think? Oh man. I mean, I gotta think that it's the Kings <laughs> because they jumped the most spots, but I know they're just going to draft a point guard. <laughs> so it's like, are they actually winning? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, are they going to actually get something that helps their team? Probably not. I mean, they, they lucked out in drafting Therese Halliburton and they shipped him off. So, mm -hmm. I mean, Maybe they'll just do the same thing again and just get a third point guard behind Fox and Davion Mitchell. I mean, I could totally see them getting a guy like Ivy mm -hmm. and just saying like, oh, he's the most talented guy at this position. And then he gets like 10 minutes a game because they have two other point guards. <laughs> yeah. I don't and, know. Like, and yeah. Davion Mitchell closed the season nice too. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So I don't know. They'll probably mess it up. So mm -hmm. I guess they didn't really win the draft lottery. But they should have, you know, they're just they're going to mess it up, though. They always do. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think for OKC, it's like maybe they finally get like enough with between this and they get the 12th pick, the Clippers pick mm -hmm. between those. That's two lottery picks. You know, maybe they finally start trying to win games this year. That would be nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, between those two teams, like you got to hope that one of them at least gets something that helps them try to improve yeah i like okc i think okc is probably the big i mean obviously there's the magic getting number one but okc getting number two i think is huge they get shay's big contract kicks in next year mm -hmm. so i gotta mm -hmm. think they want to try to start winning some games and yeah. uh, they already have giddy who was a great pick and i think we chat we we always mention this about them is that everybody else seems disposable on that roster so getting <laughs> yes. two good picks in this draft is will help round round it out a bit better to just actually start winning some games yeah and and there there could be some good free agents on the block and they got plenty of cap space to play with so yeah yeah biggest loser could, well, I, it's got to be the pistons right <laughs> Yeah, and the the Pistons were what the second worst team in the league this year, and then they get number five. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty bad. That's I think that's about as bad as it could have been. Uh, yeah. Maybe they could have dropped to six, but there was like a very low percent of doing that. So five was pretty bad for them, and they they probably need the most help out of any. Like you have Cade Cunningham and insert <laughs> average NBA player here mm -hmm. as the rest of the roster. So. Yeah, that is yeah, not going to be great for them. I mean, that they five could be good though. You know, I just I just said that, you know, whoever, you know, is in the top 5, it's not really clear who is the best player. Um, yeah. so they they could get, end up landing someone that falls in their lap that ends up being the biggest difference maker in the draft, so, you know, it could happen. Yeah. I want to say the Lakers and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that going to change whether or not they uh, had a pick? No, but I think I, I was so I the only reason I also wanted to watch this draft lottery is just to feel bad about 
how bad the Lakers overall year is going to be. Like I would have laughed so hard if the Pelicans ended up getting the number number one pick or somehow oh, going I, top I, I three. Was, yeah, I was kind of hoping it for just, just for the chaos of it, just to be like, are you kidding me, man? Yeah. I, 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 I felt it in my gut. I was like, the Pelicans are going to come into this and they're going to get a top three pick. Like the uh, NBA is going to rig this shit to I know, give the Pelicans this top too. three pick. Yeah, it's like when they got the number one, when they got Zion, I'm like, yeah, this is totally rigged. But mm-hmm. yeah, maybe this is them like trying to cover their tracks, you know, be like, no, no, it's totally fair. Look, they got like a normal number eight pick or whatever. Well, even <laughs> when they got the number one pick for Davis, it's a little funky because the NBA was still <laughs> still owned that team that year. And they were trying yeah. to desperately sell that team off some, mm, to somebody. Man. Yeah, there's a lot of funk going on there. But yeah. Yeah, now that it's yeah in different hands, maybe it's not as big of a deal. They'll let them let the lottery balls fall as they will. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just to add insult to injury, I guess it's like the Lakers already had a bad year. What would have been a number eight pick, which would have been nice to round out the roster with mm-hmm. another solid role player or trade it. And step yeah. into the hands of the Pelicans, who made mm-hmm. the playoffs. Yeah, they made the playoffs. <laughs> and, and, you know, they have a good future now. You know, mm-hmm. the, Herb Jones and Alvarado were great picks for them last year. And, yeah, I think they got a good shot at making their roster even deeper. Yeah. So, on that note, from the lottery to all rookie first team and second team, those were announced today. First mm-hmm. team, you got Scotty Barnes, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, and Franz Wagner. Um, there's an obvious name here missing in my strong opinion. <laughs> I I think I know which name you were thinking, but it's a different name than the one I'm thinking. Oh, interesting. I'm yes. obviously thinking about my boy, Josh Giddy, who I've been a fan of all year. Huge, huge dude for, for uh, fantasy-wise. <laughs> I had a feeling he was going to have a good year, and he ended up having a good year. Uh, his reaction on Twitter was laughing emojis to this, to the tweet. And here's why. I mean, this guy tied ninth for most triple doubles in the league, a list that includes Jimmy Butler, Giannis, veterans in this league. He did it his rookie year. Uh, one Western Conference rookie of the month, four months in a row. That's basically the <laughs> whole regular season almost. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't get you first team over Jalen Green. I think it should. I mean... I don't know. Franz Wagner, he was good too, but <laughs> I think Josh Giddies was a, was a bit better. He did miss 28 games, so I'll give you that. But that was like towards the end of the year. Nobody cared anymore at that point <laughs> about any of the well, uh, about like maybe except Scotty Barnes. People were still watching Raptors, but <laughs> all these other guys, they weren't watching their team. Nobody was watching the Rockets. I mean, 28 games is a lot of games. It is, but it doesn't feel like a lot just because at that he point was out a long time i felt like towards, he was out a long time but that was at the very t- that was like at the t- at the end of the year that's why it doesn't feel like he missed that the many but yeah games is like three months 28 games well it was like what he missed like yeah april ha- he missed yeah a bit he of march. all of march all of april and some of february mm-hmm. yeah yeah, the dude was out for a long time i i think was it the whole post all-star break Mm, I think so. Yeah, I, I think, think it you're was right. The entire post All Star break. That's a long time. Oh, man. I don't know, man. That, yeah, for these bad you know, teams, though, those three, those three months are the months that matter the most. 
Well, that, I mean, if you want to make all rookie first team, you got to play basketball. That's what I'm saying. I mean, this guy can laugh all he wants, but he's laughing over there with healthy legs watching his team crumble. You know, like he could have played in probably half of these last 28 games. They just chose not to play him. Like, yeah, I don't know what you expected, man. Like you knew full well, if you're tanking, you're not winning any damn awards. You yeah. don't deserve them. I don't know. I think he played when it matters. These teams are so bad. It doesn't matter that if they're playing it, ma- it never mattered for OKC this year. Let's be real. None of these games mattered. But right. I don't even think I'd pick Josh Giddy to be the first team. Because I agree with that. I don't think because he missed 28 games. I don't think he deserved it. Okay. I yeah. think Herb, Herb Jones oh, uh, should have been the first team. Uh, well above Jalen Green, though. I agree that Jalen Green did not play well for like most of the year. And then I guess recency bias where he had like a decent last two weeks of the year. Like now all of a sudden he's all rookie first team. He was terrible the whole year. Inconsistent shooting. So many turnovers playing just really dumb basketball. <laughs> Meanwhile, Herb Jones was revving it up like the whole second half of the season. I mean, playing great defense being I mean, honestly, probably an all NBA defense candidate yeah. at this point as a rookie and his team made the playoffs and he was a huge contributor on it. I just don't understand how like, is this just them thinking offense is just so much more important than defense for this award or just like being blind to it and just looking at stats because Herb Jones's impact was so many places besides the stat sheet. Yeah. And also Jalen Green was on the worst team in the league. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's got to mean something, right? I mean, no case. (laughs) Go ahead. I was just going to say, you got to take that into account. I mean, you take it into account for MVP voting, for all these other things. How is that not a factor for this, for all our rookie first team? Like, he didn't do anything to help his team win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I think Jalen Green is definitely the sour spot here. Even Franz Wagner, I'm not sure. Yeah, he was good, but... I would take, you give I it take to Josh, Josh Giddy. Giddy and Herb Jones. I would take. I mean, Josh Giddy. If you're taking wins into account, Josh Giddy didn't exactly win any games for OKC. He won more than Jalen Green. <laughs> <laughs> that he did. That he did. Yeah. I would give it to Josh Giddy over Jalen Green too, but I give it to Herb Jones over both those guys. Wow, that's a. I did not expect you to throw that name in there. You're making a compelling oh, yeah. case, though. I mean, yeah, it's like you. You look at the stat sheet, you'll be like, yeah, of course. Like, why would you give it to him? But. Like you watch the games and you're like, wow, this dude is a smart player. Mm-hmm. Like he know he just knows the game of basketball and he plays his role so well. Yeah. And he contributes to a playoff team. That's just, yep. yeah. None I of agree. these other guys can say that except for Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley. Mm-hmm. Well, Scotty Barnes is definitely deserving of this spot. Like yeah. I was, like I was, like I was doing damage. Anyways, yeah. Uh, either way, both these dudes are on the second team. On the sec- second team, you also got Ayo. I always forget to pronounce his last name. Uh, Desunmu. Desunmu. Chris Duarte, Josh Giddy, Bones Highland, and Herb Jones. Pretty non-controversial, I'd say, except yeah. for the two there, names. Yeah. Were- are there any rookies missing at all? Uh, Austin Reeves. Throw my boy Austin no, Reeves stop. in there. <laughs> okay, we're done with this yeah. segment. It's yeah. over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's reaching for sure uh, uh, oh yeah <laughs> playing he got the minutes but yeah yeah not not impactful but no, no i think it's uh i think this is this is a dud deal i i I'm points made uh let's jump into the conference finals <laughs> dallas knocking off the, the suns to advance in a, in a dominant game seven i mean 
That was surprising. Go- game seven, man. Yeah. <laughs> going into these game sevens, it's always like two things that could happen. It's a close game or it's going to be a blowout, but it's going to be a blowout with the home team winning just because it's such a intense environment to go into as the away team. Rarely do I ever think it's going to be the away team dominating the home team. And that's what we got. <laughs> this game was over. What do you think? By the by the start of the second quarter, it almost yeah, felt. Yeah, I mean, it was still within reach after the first quarter. By halftime, it was definitely out. I mean, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Yeah. Like, I couldn't believe the score. 57-27 at halftime. Just absolutely unreal. I think there was a point at the start of the third quarter where Luka Doncic had more points than the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> yep. Yep, that's and right. That, that deep into the game, that is uncanny. Mm-hmm. It, it makes like no sense. And it was honestly the most one of the most embarrassing performances in NBA history. <laughs> and I, I think most NBA fans will agree, and even ones that have been around a lot longer than we have watching the game. I don't think you've we've ever seen a collapse. As bad, not even the Warriors in Game Five against Memphis, where they were down by like fifty-five at one point, mm-hmm. just because the stakes weren't as high for them. But this is with all the stakes on the line. You're at home. You're a sixty-four-win team during the regular season, and everything just falls apart. Yeah, you have the coach of the year. You ha- you have Chris Paul, and none of it matters. You get absolutely cooked, and it it's just there's no words for it. It's un. It's it just makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I didn't know what to make of what I was watching. It was just total a breakdown, especially I think because the Suds were the heavy favorite going into this year, top five in both offensive rating, defensive rating in the regular year. Walk away with the best regular season record, coach of the year. I mean, the media is totally on Chris Paul's side. I think we're all rooting mm-hmm. for him to have a D, another deep playoff run he's healthy uh Devin Booker's healthy and it just falls apart to a Dallas team that's I don't know I was really rating this team off I thought they were gonna lose in the first round and maybe only win one or two games like for yeah. them to make it this like I don't I never yeah, especially yeah I remember we were talking about right when Luca was hurt at the mm-hmm. first two games of the Utah series like oh Utah's got this yeah but Dallas ends up winning four of the last five games, uh, winning on the road, taking him down. Luka averaging 32 points, 10 rebounds, seven assists, and two steals for the entire series. Uh, Just really looking locked in. Um, And Chris Paul, I mean, this is the name to bring up. I hate to bring his name up because I feel like at this point he shouldn't be (laughs) the deciding factor in the series. But you Why just, shouldn't he be though? Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like it's also like you just also can't help but ignore that. You know he's getting paid thirty million dollars by this <laughs> franchise, and he's got the name. Uh, so mm-hmm. you also look. And he's at been the, playing well. Mm-hmm. You look at he's the impact well. he's I mean, been having. You're like, okay, it's got to be there, and it just hasn't. It just has not. I mean, what? what I think I wrote the numbers down here. Nine points on seven attempts. Mm-hmm. That's what he averaged. Oh. Nine points on seven attempts after game two. Jeez. Games one and two, he dropped 19 and five, and then 28 and eight uh, in games one and two. And then after that is just, just, just pretty, pretty average, pretty below average NBA numbers. Yeah, extremely below average, especially if you account for all the turnovers that he had. Mm-hmm. And this is something we, we kind of touched on last week too. He, he turned 37 
when game three happened. And since he's been 37, he's been an awful basketball player. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of a, one of the weirdest coincidences I've seen as far as basketball is concerned. I mean, is 37 just turning 37 that bad? You know, like you just feel like way older yeah. or I don't know what it is, but yeah, the, either that or Dal- it was just a coincidence. And Dallas just figured out that Chris Paul's actually can be a weak point because they targeted him a lot on defense throughout this series after those first two games. And that just seemed to be the winning formula because I I didn't realize that Chris Paul was something that you could exploit so much on defense and, and Dallas figured that out and they were able to get the switch on him a lot of times um, in all their wins. Yep. You can, when you have a six foot seven, pretty thick point guard out there named <laughs> Luca <thick>. <laughs> who can shoot dribble around you floats or just finds the right man at the right time and I mean listen if like if you look at the other series it seems like towards the tail end of the series teams tend to figure out Chris Paul the Bucks did it did the same thing last year mm-hmm. and it's it's just it's just a rough reality I think this is my personal theory it's like it's a rough reality when your best number one option and someone that really puts your team's offense co- offensive cohesiveness together is a six one point guard. Mm. Um, this this is a game of big boys, and you look, oh. you look at who ends up winning championships. It's always a team that's got a dominant inside force or just just a big guard. Um, yeah, you know, even 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 teams who have managed to be led by point guards like the Lakers with Magic Johnson. Um, you know, or like the Warriors just happened to be the anomaly, I think, with six foot three Steph Curry, who just yeah. shoots like crazy. He had a, you know, you have the supporting cast, obviously, too, there. Yeah, he has a supporting cast. So I think the Suns here relying so much on Chris Paul to really start and initiate their offense, put so much pressure on on him. And when when he's just get being targeted on defense, he's getting trapped and the Dallas defense is just finding ways to make it make things hard for him. The whole team just tends seems to crumble. And Monty Williams has got to go to the drawing board and figure out the reality that, yeah, despite him getting paid $30 million a year, <laughs> he's not a $30 million player anymore. And teams are no. going to figure out ways to exploit him more and more in the playoffs. So they got to figure out how, how to get pieces to help him out more, whether that's making Devin Booker more of the primary ball handler in certain situations or, or bringing in another piece, which I don't know who that's going to be uh, at, at this point for them. But I mean, another mm-hmm. point there on that point is like you look at this bench crew versus what they had last year. Campaign, who was the main point guard off the bench, just terrible. I mean, nine points yeah. on thirty-seven percent shooting uh, was what he averaged last year throughout the playoffs. It's okay, modest numbers, but you know he was out there making That's some all I noise for for bench. Yeah, yeah. This year, four points on sixteen percent <laughs> shooting. Just, Ouch not there cam johnson 46 percent last year the playoffs this year 35 percent. so uh their main two options were struggling tory craig was just useless barely played any <laughs> minutes uh shamit and mcgee were okay but i forgot about dario Saric. like dario Saric was a name also that yeah, helped their playoff run last case. year and he they didn't have any clear replacement for him this just go around yeah and they won't have him this upcoming year too, as he continues to recover from his injury. He's still out indefinitely. Wow. So yeah, when you go back to the drawing board now, it's like you you have a few things to figure out, right? Like if your bench guys aren't doing it for you, you might have to do a little bit of an upheaval. Unfortunately, you have Shaman on a long term contract, mm-hmm. so he's not going anywhere. But 
I mean, obviously the big one's DeAndre Ayton, right? The dude is a restricted free agent. No centers on contract for next year. Obviously, we know that there is some sort of animosity going on there yep. because, I mean, Aiden got, what, 17 minutes in that game seven, that pivotal game seven? Yeah. And afterwards, when they asked about it, Monty Williams just said, it's internal. <laughs> yeah. Very cryptic, very frightening message honestly mm-hmm. which leads me to believe there's a good chance that if Aiton gets a max deal from another team they might not match and if they don't match they are without that big man anchor down low yeah and i don't know how you there's no one else you can replace that with i think i think they're really undervaluing Aiton's contributions to this team and it, it could spell the end of their chance at championship yeah and this is the era of the new nba where you we start introducing hard caps luxury tax so when you have an asset like this that can let you that lets you re-sign them and go over the cap and then you just pay pay luxury tax on it yeah the luxury tax sucks but if you don't re-sign this asset you're not going to just have a clear you know 30 million dollar 20 million dollar gap that you can play around with you're under the you're still under the cap so you're essentially going to have to replace Aiden with a $5 million, $10 million player, which is in this, in this case, the market's looking pretty soft in terms of big men and you're not really going to find anything. So the value of Aiden isn't just what he's bringing to the table basketball wise, but also what is out there in the market that you can easily replace. And the Suns are not going to have anything. They don't sign him. They're regressing back to a team that may barely make the playoffs. Um, Yeah. And there's nothing in the future to to replace that with, especially when you got Chris Paul signed for another three years. I, I was taking a look at that. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. It's Just wild. That new deal last year, which I mean, to be fair, he earned because I don't think anyone thought the Suns would make the finals last year and they did it. Mm-hmm. So that's how the, that's how the salaries all work. You know, you get paid for the job you've done before, not the job you're currently doing. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's it is gonna hamper that. I mean, it's it's gonna possibly make it so that DeAndre Ayton isn't a Phoenix Sun next year. You know, if the Charlotte Hornets are willing to put up a max deal, if a team like OKC is willing to put up a max deal for Ayton, that could happen, man. It could really happen, and, and you know, it's sad because you know Phoenix had a good shot here over these last two years to get a championship, and if you're just gonna throw it away because of some you know petty internal bickering i don't really know what's going on i don't think anyone really does but this is a dude you can't let walk yeah i'm sorry like you have to do it and then yeah i guess if you don't i mean you guess you get javel mcgee as your starting center next year i don't think that's gonna uh, net you very many wins upgrade biombo to starting center they they might they might they might be so audacious to think that oh Biombo just took a year off basketball he's just as good as you Aiton like we don't need you mm-hmm. like they might be like Robert Sarver might be so audacious as to say that to like straight to Aiton's face yeah and totally mean it because he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about yeah what do you say to the to the folks because I mean this is also a conversation or question thrown around the blog sphere ESPN sphere is that. Is DeAndre Aiden even a max player? Is he worth it? Is he does he is he going to develop into a star in this league at some point? Do I think that? Yeah. Oh, 
I mean, the guy is still so young. Mm-hmm. He just is coming off his rookie deal. I mean, just because everyone doesn't peak like Luka Doncic at 20 years old <laughs> doesn't mean that they won't become a star in this league. You know, it's like you get your Lucas and your John Morants, you know, that, you know, just contribute right away immediately. But then you get your guys like your Brandon Ingrams, you know, your Kyle mm-hmm. Lowry's. They don't blossom until, you know, four or five years in the league. Yeah. And I still think Aiden can be that player. I mean, he's improved every year. You know, it's just weird that how inconsistent he's been in Phoenix. But I think part of that is because he's unhappy with the organization. I mean, they didn't offer him an extension last season after he helped them make the finals. They offered one to, to, to Michael Bridges. He mm-hmm. got his extension, but Aiden didn't get his. I think that it contributed pretty equally. So I'd, I'd feel pretty slighted too. So I don't know, maybe a change of scenery, um, being motivated for a team that actually wants him, that actually is giving him a max contract because they feel he's valuable. That could bring out the best in him. Yeah, I agree. I th- I think so. I th- I think it's it's interesting that that is a that is a question because when you look at his numbers, they've gone up every year uh mm-hmm. regular season 17 but in the playoffs despite them getting whooped in this series i guess these last these this last game he still averaged 18 points points a game 64 percent shooting um yep. near double doubles like i i think you got to pre- appreciate this guy <laughs> a little bit more i mean he's not chris paul and devin booker but if you give him a chance to grow a bit more um he 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 might end up being that should be I think maybe even if you sign him you should probably declare him the second option by next year, um, especially with everything when Chris Paul struggles in the playoffs. So yeah, I hope to see him land land somewhere. He's happy. Yeah, I mean, I know it's tough for some centers in the league, like Andre Drummond, Andre Drummond types, you know. <laughs> but I, Aiton is just so much more athletic. It can move so much better than a lot of these traditional centers. Yeah. He has the same size as, as a traditional center, but he moves so much better. Mm-hmm. And his defense is fantastic. And yeah, I, someone's going to pay him well. If it's not Phoenix, he will get paid very well. Um, but it will be very interesting to watch as we as we start to see that unfold. He's going to get a day one deal. He's going to be one of the first free agents off the board. I know that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes how it goes and the suns will have two days to match that once that Mm -hmm. offer comes through um so moving on from there the warriors overwhelming a tired mavs team to take the lead 1-0 in in game one in san francisco i mean another game that was pretty much a blowout uh but you know something that i was thinking about for, for the mavs is they just came off that game seven pretty big emotional mm-hmm. win i think and you immediately jump on a plane from phoenix uh up to the bay so i kind of i'll give them a pass for this for this awful experience i think we'll i think and even i think game two will probably be a struggle fest for them i don't think we'll actually see a real head-to-head until until game three when the mats finally get a chance to go back home because at this point they'll be on the road for a week yeah close to yeah close to a week um mm-hmm. with traveling so that was my takeaway from the game it was hard for me to really take much anything else of, over how this series is going to unfold i think just because it was just a blowout from the from the beginning yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna re- overreact to this either but 
I, I do think the fatigue will start to set in. I mean, the Warriors had four days of rest. Uh, the Mavericks came off a very emotional seven-game series and where they <laughs> took out the number one team in the league, honestly. Mm-hmm. like, And that takes all your energy. And so it is just going to be a matter of, like, do they have the energy to keep up with the Warriors now, especially just, you know, being down an easy 1-0 from the start. I mean, just continuing to have to play from behind in these playoff series. I mean, they've done it every series so far. I mean, mm-hmm. they were down at the Utah series. They're down 2-0 in the Phoenix series, and, and now they're down again. And so it will be tough for them. I think that Luca will play a lot better. I actually heard rumors that he got sick um, in between game seven and game of last series and game one of this one. Oh. And so maybe that was affecting him a bit in this one. Although I don't think it really would have made a difference. They got clobbered either way. <laughs> um, but I, I do think we'll see a much more focused, much better Luca tomorrow for game two. Um, I can't imagine that they'll ha- be able to have Wiggins stop him in the same way for the, the entire series. I think that, you know, credit to him. He, he did a good job on him uh, and, you know, got him to go like the direction the Warriors want him to go on, on defense and were able to get him to commit a lot of turnovers. Uh, he actually had more turnovers than field goals in this game, which is you know pretty insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, seven turnovers to six field goals, but it does. It did show, like you know, the Warriors are are ready. They they came to play this series. All their pieces are healthy. All their starters had at least ten points, five rebounds, and three assists. So great team basketball all around. And I, I just had to ask. I mean, this is is coming to a point where there seems to be a trend over the last few years in the Western Conference where one Western Conference Finals team just doesn't really seem like they deserve to be there (laughs) (laughs) and i'll take this back to to 2019 and portland trailblazers Mm -hmm. um, going up against the golden state warriors got absolutely obliterated by them and you know everyone was really happy that the blazers made it to the conference finals as a big deal for damian lillard and his and his career but absolutely destroyed <laughs> um go to the the bubble year 2020 you got the bubble nuggets man they they made it past the clippers and into the conference finals against the lakers and got absolutely <laughs> murdered by them it wasn't even close and then i don't even have to mention last year the 2021 <laughs> clippers found a way into the conference finals on the back of reggie jackson yep. and paul george of course <laughs> And we got absolutely obliterated by the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, and that's the same core that didn't make the playoffs this year. Yes, yeah, same. (laughs) Yeah, we didn't make the playoffs this year. So I guess my question to you, Alan, is: Do you see the Mavericks as just the next in a line of Western Conference Finals teams that don't deserve to be there, or can they actually compete? There's another team I throw in there. That's probably one of my favorite teams in my whole time watching the NBA. That's the. uh, (laughs) Is it the 2015? 2014 Memphis Grizzlies team oh. <laughs> that made it all the way to the conference finals. Marcus Gasol, Zach Randolph, Tony Allen, Mike Conley, yeah, yeah, Mike Conley. They peaked. That was their peak, but mm-hmm. they probably shouldn't have been there. I think Kevin Durant got injured or something in the second round, and they were able to take down OKC, uh, and they ended up playing the Spurs and just got swept, uh, <laughs> obliterated. I mean, this ended up be- probably uh-huh. being one of the best Spurs teams ever because this team went on to yeah. beat the Miami Heat in the finals. Right. But still, yeah, they were like the fourth <laughs> seed, I think, that year. Similar to the Blazers. Very similar to the, that Blazers, this Blazers team. And mm-hmm. it's funny that you actually bring this up because I actually was thinking about that 
when yeah. they beat the Suns, and then I just kind of just never thought about it again. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think what I'm thinking is I think game two is going to be a wash too. I think they're going to get crushed or they're going to, mm-hmm. it's going to be probably, a, I think the Warriors probably end up winning by 10. Um, but oh, that's, that's I don't, not bad. Yeah. But I don't think Dallas ever actually like takes the lead at any point. Ah, okay. So yeah. yeah, I think, I think they do. There is a chance here that they win one game and that game is game three where I think Dallas will actually recruit. They're back at home. They'll play a mm-hmm. hard game. But then after that, I could see the Warriors winning the rest and this only being a mm-hmm. five game series. Okay. So you do err on the side of them being more like they're just another in this ever growing list of, of teams that don't really deserve to be here. Yeah. <laughs> yep. They're just the monkey wrench that somehow got thrown into, into the playoffs. <laughs> I think the NBA has got to love this though, because it's made the, uh, yeah. it's made the playoff tr- bracket a bit, a bit enjoyable, unpredictable a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you look over at the, the side on you know the other side, it's like, you know, it's the one and two teams, right? It's Miami and Boston. So kind of expected but you got the number three and the number five team mm-hmm. on the west side so that's pretty fun i think and i think it does yeah it does speak to the parody of the league yeah. right now it's yeah it's in a very good spot yep so i got them i think this is what i'm gonna i'm gonna lock that in i think i got the warriors winning this in five and mm. and the nba finals are coming to san francisco what about you what do you got <laughs> You know, it, yeah, fool me once, right? I mean, the Mavericks fool me twice now. Yep. Like I thought they were gonna be out twice. Can they do it a third time though? Can they fool me three times? That's tough, man. This is such a tough Warrior team to beat because this Warrior team is, has gotten better. Like this is their they're peaking right now. But we we saw the winning formula like when they played Memphis. Memphis actually just had some bad luck in that series and it i think that led to their downfall i mean obviously at game one where they lost by a layup but they -hmm. were winning most of that game obviously in game four they're winning until the last what 45 seconds of the game yeah but the thing is dallas doesn't have the identity that like they're not big and they're not a tough defensive team the way memphis is they could be a tough defense. I mean, look what they did to Phoenix. That's true. That That's was true. Seven points and a half. They just—they don't <laughs> seem like they have the personnel, but they somehow don't seem like it. But I—I I do think that they have the personnel. Okay. I mean, I mean, we know we know that Luca is a decent defender when he needs to be. Mm-hmm. Like he obviously showed. He, he averaged two steals a game in the Phoenix series. Jalen Brunson, you know, he's undersized, so. Maybe he's not the best defender, but then you got like Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock, who are supposed to be, you know, just three and D players, right? Yeah, but they're and not. Then, they're not Dylan Brooks. They're no. Um, well, thank God they're not Dylan Brooks. <laughs> that guy's terrible. Yeah, there's no Jaron Jackson Jr. in here or Stephen Adams. There's no Jaron Jackson, but I think, but like I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean they're not going to beat him on size, mm-hmm. but I don't know, man. I, something tells me that this. Mavs team is going to come back fighting a lot harder. I think they will make adjustments. I, I th- I'll give them. Oh shit! <laughs> I'll give them six. I'll give them six games. Okay. I, I'm too. It's I'm too reasonable. But like <laughs> everything inside me is telling me that like obviously you should agree with Allen. Like this <laughs> this series is going to be super easy. But they've already fooled me twice. I got to give them some credit. 
Maybe I didn't give him enough credit. Maybe this will be a seven-game series, and it'll go either way. But I'm I'm gonna give him that extra game. Five, six-game series. Respect. Out of respect. I mean, they probably have the best the best player remaining in the playoffs right now. I'd say Luca's yeah. number one. I don't think it's even close with Giannis out. I don't think it's out. even close. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, I agree. And I it, it does show. You know, like. It's pretty criminal that Luca isn't like a top five MVP candidate. Yeah. You know, like, and maybe that just goes to show that like he wasn't actually there the whole regular <laughs> season. But my God, man, this guy is freaking unbelievable. Like <laughs> the things that he did in that Sun series, the shots he made, the plays he made, just gosh, man, how is that not a top five MVP candidate? <laughs> I mean, if we rewind and look at November. Uh, December and January, I think yeah, we'll understand. Yeah. We'll get a clear <laughs> yeah. picture. I don't remember him coming out of the gates very hot, but yeah, I get I get it now. He's definitely a dude that's peaking for the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. So moving on to the Eastern Conference and Celtics rally and get those last two games against Milwaukee. The poor Milwaukee Bucks get eliminated. Mm-hmm. I did not want to see them eliminated because honestly, yeah. I hate both these two teams in the Eastern Conference, <laughs> the Celtics and Miami. Just I never liked these teams. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the Celtics are good. Close to coming back too. Mm -hmm. Middleton was going to come back for the for the conference finals if they made it. And I mean, honestly, that might have been the difference maker there to help them take them down because this these these games were so close, uh, and definitely just a a a a clash of different styles. The Bucks, a very gritty defensive team who loved outside shooting, and and the, the Celtics, just a very versatile team that really spread the load across their team. Pretty well. Um, one stat here for you guys is Bucks average only. I had three only, Bucks only had three players average double digits, while the Celtics had five throughout the series. Hmm. Bucks just absolutely obliterated the Celtics on the boards, capturing more offensive rebounds and total rebound difference was like over a hundred points. But the Celtics just had more firepower, nailing fifty-two percent of their shots versus the Bucks only being able to knock down forty-five percent of those. Um, so you insert Middleton there, and I think this easily goes Milwaukee's way, but it's just not enough, especially when you go into a game seven where you have Grant Williams just absolutely <laughs> shooting the lights out, shooting like near yeah, right. playoff record performance here, seven from 18 <laughs> from three, 27 points, and just a team high plus 25. No match right here when you yeah. have a guy like that just going off. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. It's like Grant Williams, like we obviously know the name. Mm-hmm. And I think going into the series, we saw him as just like the guy that was going to try to like, you know, muscle up to Giannis and try to stop him on defense. But I, there's nothing in me that thought that he was going to be the option right. in a game seven with everything on the line. This guy gets the green light to shoot 18 threes in the game. Mm-hmm. 18 threes. That's actually insane for a role player. So, I mean, it does, like you said, go, goes to show Boston's versatility. And man, Milwaukee wishes they had a guy like this they could rely on off the bench because Giannis was doing it all by himself. I yeah. mean, ga- game six, 44 points, 20 rebounds, six assists. Game seven, 25 points, 20 rebounds again with nine assists. And neither game was even close. Boston destroyed them in both of them more in game seven than game six, but it's crazy. Giannis averaged 35 points and 20 rebounds in those two games. And it wasn't even close. 
Yeah, I mean, there's just not enough firepower on this Milwaukee team when you lose Chris Middleton. And I mean, we knew that heading into it, but Milwaukee kept it close enough to make it exciting. But yeah, Giannis closes this series averaging 34 points, 15 rebounds, and 7 assists. Just a... <laughs> Just so ridiculous, unreal. ridiculous numbers. <laughs> but I mean, we, I mean, that's basically what we called it, right? Like Celtics were just going to have way more pieces to, to maneuver with. And each one of these games that they were going to win, they were going to have one of these pieces just go off. And some nights it, it, this game seven just ended up being Grant Williams to, to end it. Some nights it was Marcus smart. Others, it was like more predictable Brown or Tatum, but the Bucks yeah. just never were able to get one of those guys, one of their guys to go off. There was a Bobby Portis game, I think game six, game five. I drew Holiday with the big defensive plays, five, yeah. but mm-hmm. they never got any of the other guys to really just break out, which, I mean, no, don't blame them. I don't think we'd expect them, but it would be nice. I mean, that's why you traded for Grayson Allen, though. Like, mm-hmm. you needed a guy that could shoot the ball from three, especially. He disappeared. I mean, mm-hmm. this is like we talked about this in the first round series against Chicago. It's like they need guys like Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen to step up and just be available for Giannis to dish the ball out to and shoot. They need to shoot 40% from three. I think Grayson Allen was zero of six in game seven. Yeah. Like one point. And it's like, what did you bring these guys in for? Like, these are just worthless players, like worse than replacement players at this point. And so. Milwaukee, I mean, it might not seem like they have a lot to do this offseason because, you know, you got your big three locked in between Holiday Middleton and Giannis and Brooke Lopez still being there. But the rest of the roster might need to get a pretty severe makeover because none of these guys can step up. None of these guys can make their own shot. None of these guys can play make. Yeah, and this is where you start seeing the difference between once you, you know, you trade all your picks away and you're like okay i got a core that i'm going to be good with and then we'll just trade a few picks here to just make it better oh you start to pay the price for a while because those second round picks those late first rounders yeah initially they don't seem like much but they end up becoming pretty important (laughs) role players especially once you start getting pretty pretty well up there in the cap you're not really able to bring good veterans onto the team with veteran with you know minimum deals guys that are older guys that Maybe you don't quite uh, aren't willing to sort of do some of the dirty stuff or just don't have their legs under them anymore. This is where you kind of need some of like the Alex Caruso's of the world to step up a little bit. And some of these late Grant Williams, the Grant Williams, exactly. (laughs) These late first rounders, second rounders that just end up developing after a few years and can be cheap, sort of not cheap, but like role players, affordable, affordable role, role players that you can bring on. Um, Cause yeah, essentially now they're just going to have to go shopping around to see which older guys which vets are willing to take (laughs) a vet minimum to to add firepower to this roster and at the end of the day you kind of just get the same thing which is a guy who's a little slow on defense (laughs) but can maybe knock down some three three pointers (laughs) right (laughs) and they they do need someone that can shoot three pointers better because i mean pat Connaughton and grayson allen weren't doing it obviously um, they're probably going to have to resign Bobby Portis. I, yep. I think you, you gave up PJ Tucker last off season. You can't let Bobby Portis walk to, um, he's too integral to this team, especially when he's healthy. Uh, so you got to keep the core together and just, you know, see what you can fill the rest of the roster out with. But yeah, I think that's going to be priority one for them is making sure Bobby Portis doesn't leave. And I don't think he will. He loves it in Milwaukee. They love him. 
Yeah. Um, so he'll be around to stay. Yeah. And I mean, I'd be very surprised. You, you got to still feel good about it too. It's like you, if you had Middleton, you probably win this series. I got to think it's, oh, yeah. it's the enough It's the it's the extra inches to just get, get across that finish line a little bit faster. So yeah, I think you, you still feel good about the core. Try to see if you can bring on some better shooters, guys that can take, will take the vet minimum and see if you can go. I mean, Make a run for Carmelo. I don't know if the Lakers bring him no, back. No. That's a guy you can get. <laughs> you don't want Car- no, you don't want Carmelo. <laughs> so old, man. So old. <laughs> uh, but yeah, moving on from there, Boston moved on, played Miami. Today, we got game two. The series is now tied 1-1. A trade of blowouts. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's Neither game was fun to watch. No, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't end up really watching. I didn't watching. even watch most of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't, again, kind of like that, the, the Warriors Dallas game, game one, these two games, I'm not really sure what to take away from them. Um, both of these games were blowouts. Jimmy Butler goes off on one of them. Boston comes back and their guys go off. And it's sort of just been this, this, this game of checkmate so far right <laughs> now. Um, are we going to see an exciting game three? I got to think so. I think the team, both teams have kind of sniffed out the right adjustments for each other at this point. Yeah, you'd, you'd think so. I mean, I think that the game one with where Miami just kicked Boston's teeth, and I think that was also a product of, of Boston coming off of a grueling seven-game series, much like the Mavericks. And so you see they're just not quite as prepared as Miami is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, yeah, I was actually very surprised to see Boston take care of Miami so convincingly just two days later uh, on Miami's home court, too. And I guess it's all because Al Horford and Marcus Smart were available. They, like that, that was the big difference. I mean, Marcus Smart had a hell of a game. Yeah. 24 points, 9 rebounds, 12 assists, and a plus 31. I think him, Grant Williams, and Peyton Pritchard were all over a plus 30. On the, on the team plus minus for the day. So absolutely insane. Uh, I don't know if that's some weird new death lineup that they have that's perfect for the Miami Heat, but yeah, they're going to have to go to the drawing board to figure that one out. And then Bam Adebayo has mm-hmm. been surprisingly nothing in this series for Miami. Even in the win, he only had 10 points and four rebounds. And then tonight he had six points and nine rebounds and he's only shot five times a game. And you're talking about this is your team's second best player. I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, maybe he's hurt or maybe they just phased him out of the game plan. Maybe Boston came in and Robert Williams has just kept him in check. But I struggle to think that Adebayo can't get it done with Robert Williams on him. Yeah, I mean, credit to Robert Williams, though. That dude has been oh, he's a good player. That dude's been active, uh, I think, yes. you know, after missing a few games. So. I mean, I don't think he's the main reason, but yeah, I think there is something to be said there about Eric Spolster trying to figure out how to get his big man a bit more involved and maybe you get the same return on the defensive end. Um, I mean, he did have four blocks this last, this last yeah, season. Sure. Despite In game the, one, he had four. Yeah. Yeah. So he he's there. I think, I think, yeah, I think it's just a matter of each team figuring each other out. I mean, Miami just kind of shot the lights out of Boston. Boston comes back, has a cup, plays a more gritty game and, I don't think Miami was ready for that, but I think game three is going to be interesting in the garden. And I'm excited to see that one. Yeah, no, I think this will end up being a very good series. I don't think this will be, you know, kind of what we we're predicting for the Warriors Mavs where one team just kind of wipes out the other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this could easily go seven games. 
Um, but I do think Miami is going to need Kyle Lowry to come back at some mm-hmm. point this series, despite them being seven and one this playoff so far without him. And that's including game two tonight. They were seven and zero oh before tonight without Lowry, which is kind of crazy mm-hmm. uh, that Gabe Vincent and Max Struess have been able to shoulder the load so much as, as they did very often in the regular season. But you're, you're going to need that playoff experience now that Lowry provides and hopefully he can come back soon hamstring injuries do tend to linger obviously have been doing so for him because he's only able to come back for like two games before he had to sit out the last few so if they can get him back i think they still have the advantage in this series but if not i I think boston honestly will take it yeah i still i i like boston in this series um they're just so good man robert williams (laughs) is good like i i didn't really just i don't know i didn't see him very much but obviously because he he missed a lot of the Bucks mm-hmm. series. Um, so to see him out there today was a little eye-opening. It's like, oh shit, they also have this guy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like they're just they just have so many p- good pieces. I'm mm-hmm. gonna take Boston in this one. I think they win at game six, they win it in the garden. Um, so yeah, that's what I that's what I got them at. What, what are you mm-hmm. thinking? I think it's gonna be Boston in seven. Boston seven. You think yeah, it goes seven I, games? I think, yeah, I don't think Jimmy Butler will allow this to go anything but seven games. Mm-hmm. Like I think him by himself will be able to win three games. I mean, we saw it in game one. He just he outscored the Boston in the third quarter of that game, seventeen to fourteen. Yeah, <laughs> by himself. Uh, ended up obviously being a pummeling in that quarter, thirty nine to fourteen overall. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Miami does have the ability to, you know, punch back. And so I think they will until they're dead. And I don't think that'll happen until game seven. Yeah. Here's, here's a question. Um, five of the remaining four teams, do you think we, you, you have a feel for who's going to win the championship? Do you think there's a team to beat here or do you think it's a matter of like they, whoever meets up? Like, obviously I think for me, it's Dallas is the weakest of the four, yeah. but I'm not sure it's clear that Boston or Miami are, are playing for the championship, like that they could easily take down the Warriors. Or am I also not sure that the Warriors could easily take down either of these two teams? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's pretty even between those three teams and the Mavs obviously being quite a bit farther down the list. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it, it's anyone's game. I don't think there is really a clear favorite. Yeah, this is this is kind of kind of exciting to to think that. I feel like before it was sort of... It felt like the Western Conference was essentially the final for a few years there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, to see like a cute, a good, a good top three going mm-hmm. at it seems pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it. Yeah, back to the parody of the league, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're seeing everyone really evening out, which is great. It's great for the league. It's great for the fan base. Yeah. So let's see how it goes out. Um, anything else you want to add on that? I will say if Kyle Lowry is able to come back within the next two games, I'll say I'll, I'll take Miami in seven over Boston in seven. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> game seven, another game seven. I, I, I'm down for another game seven. Um, yeah. Cool. Cool. So moving on from that final thoughts to close the podcast out, Pat Beverly has been making his rounds on ESPN <laughs> across the board, across shows, oh, no. <laughs> man. So Sean, is Pat Beverly the real deal? Is he is he is he a true basketball analyst uh, here that we want to keep seeing? Or what are you thinking? He threw out a lot no. of controversial quotes, <laughs> thoughts, point of views. Seemed like more of a troll than an actual 
influential thought leader I want to hear on TV. Yeah, I have to agree, but that that might be just what ESPN's looking for in an analyst because you know they love their hot takes. Yeah. That's all they do these days is give hot takes. They just want people to yell back at Stephen A. Smith. That, that's good for ratings. So... Is he the real deal as an analyst? Oh yeah, he could easily get a job on ESPN today just arguing with Stephen A. Smith. Should he? No, because nothing he says has any actual merit to it. It's just him spouting things to get people riled up. Yeah, I, th- I think there was one quote he said today where he could run the Lakers better than Jeannie Buss could. And it's like, yeah, of course he, he can. He also said if, if, he was on, if he was a player on the Lakers, just if you put him on the Lakers roster, not taking anything away, they would have made the finals. Oh, don't give me that. Yep, he said that. They might go he nine seed, but. <laughs> he, al- he also questioned if Jason Tatum is a two-way player. If he, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, enough said. Yeah. I mean, I feel like anything you ask, Pat Beverly, he'd, he'd be a commanding, confidently, yeah, yes. Just, if you ask him, Pat, can yeah. you cook the best cake in the world? Yes, I can. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that confidence gets you big contracts. He's, yeah. he's gotten some good money in his career. and He, he is a decent player, but he just he's such a hater, man. Yeah. He's hating on everybody. <laughs> yeah, I want less Pat Beverly. I want more J.J. Redick on ESPN. Yeah, I think JJ was pretty fed up with him being there all week. <laughs> you could kind of tell he's like, I don't want to talk about this with this guy anymore. He's just spouting off nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Wow. King of nonsense. That's a that's a good one. <laughs> well, oh man. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We're in the conference finals, but we'll keep breaking things down and we're sticking with it until the end of the NBA season here until we crown an NBA champion. So keep tuning in. Thanks, everybody. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everybody.